Welcome to the Wheatful Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Goff, and I'm so excited you're here. I'm an online product shop owner over at Wheat & Honey Co., a business strategist leading women-owned, profitable, and purposeful businesses, and your host here at the Wheatful Woman Podcast. Join us as we have fun and soulful conversation with a bunch of girlfriends pursuing a life full of intention and purpose. We are here to give you space and tools for your holistic wellness journey and hope you leave each episode feeling a bit more full than when you came. All right, Wheatful Women, let's dive in. Hey, Wheatful Women, today's conversation is with Kat Armstrong. Kat was born in Houston, Texas, where the humidity ruins her curls. She is a powerful voice in our generation as an innovative ministry leader, sought-after communicator, and author. As the co-founder of The Polished Network, an outreach for professional women navigating career and exploring faith, she is invested in the lives of women eager to learn about how the scriptures are relevant in their everyday lives. She has a master's from Dallas Seminary, and her and her husband, Aaron, have been married for 17 years. They live in Dallas, Texas with their son, Caleb, and attend Dallas Bible Church, where Aaron serves as the lead pastor. Here's my conversation with Kat. Hey, Kat, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brittany, this is such a treat for me. I'm so excited to have you here today, and I'd love to start by sharing a little bit about how I know you and kicking things off that way. I had the pleasure of coming to know about Polished, which is obviously a big passion project of yours through one of my good friends, Tiffany Stein, and getting involved there, and I'm really excited, and we talked a little bit before this, but to have an opportunity to chat with you one-on-one about your books and all the things that you're doing and jump right in with you. So I'd love to start with Polished since that's kind of how we know each other. And I saw that there was a little paragraph on your website that summed up Polished and what it means to you perfectly. So I would love to just read that and then give you space to talk about it a little bit. But it says that you've devoted the past decade. I didn't realize it had been a decade already. The past decade of your life to reaching professional women navigating career and exploring faith. Many women working feel disconnected from local churches where the primary focus of womanhood is marriage and mothering, searching for answers to faith questions, wrestling with the pressures of that work-life balance. This next generation of women want community, connection, and authenticity. And then it said, enter Polished. And as I was reading that, it was like this music video going on in my head because as someone that's involved in Polished Fort Worth and as somebody that is so passionate about all those things, I got fired up reading that and wanted to start there because I think it is such a true introduction to you and who you are and what you stand for. And would love for you just to speak into that. How did Polish start? What is your heart behind it? And what all is going on with Polish now? Yeah, in 2008, 12 years ago, I was halfway through my seminary degree at Dallas Theological Seminary. I was working full time as a sales rep, and I was the second youngest VP of sales in the company at the time. So I was experiencing some success in my career. I was trying to figure out how I would use my seminary degree. 
I partnered up with a dear friend of mine, Stephanie Giddens, one of the most brilliant entrepreneurs and social justice-minded Christians I've ever met. And we started being prayer partners. And at the time, she and I were both praying and asking God for new opportunities to share our faith, to live at our faith, but to do it in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And really polished was Stephanie Giddens' idea. She Mm. came to me at a coffee shop after months of praying and seeking God about how we could best serve our peers in the workplace. And she said, I have a dream. What if we created something and I I want you to help me? And I said, I always joke that she had me at hello, (laughs) Stephanie, whatever you need me to do. And God led Stephanie to start several other different things, and that's where she spends her time now. And so I've been the co-founder and the executive director for a decade, yeah, 12 years, and just handed the baton to Dr. Joy Dahl as our new executive director, and she has her doctorate from Dallas Seminary. She's extraordinary, and I can't mm. wait for people to get to know her a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but in the co-founder role, you know, my part is hosting the Polish podcast, it's mm creating content that continually points working women back to God. It helps working women bridge some conversations with coworkers that they're praying for and want to love on well. Um, But yeah, really my heart behind it is that working women would find a safe place to build community with other women. And part of what I love about Polish community is I get to meet women like you. (laughs) And you mentioned Tiffany Stein, who is literally one of my best friends in the entire world. And she was on our our original leadership team 12 years ago. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. She served with us as a leader for years and years before she took a staff position at Irving Bible church. So Mm -hmm. she and I go way back, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, Brittany, women like you that are really passionate about the dreams and goals that they have, but also want to stay grounded in their faith. Mm -hmm. That's what Polish is all about. Yep. Yep. It's been an amazing organization to be a part of. And backstory with Tiffany, she had mentioned Polished to me probably two years before I got involved. And when I decided to start my own business and I knew, okay, this means I am going to be alone a lot. I'm going to have a lot of interaction with people, but a lot of it's going to be over my computer where before I was out and about and had colleagues I saw every single day. And it's a little bit different when you're writing and when you're running a product shop and everything's over the computer. So I remember thinking in this transition, polished has to be my number one priority and I have to get plugged in quick because I knew it would give me face-to-face relationships with women that maybe didn't work directly with me, but were in that career, that faith, that community seeking space too. So I actually reached out to Tiffany to be a referral for me. And she reminded me, I told you about this a couple of years ago, and I had totally forgotten and ironically asked her to write my referral. So it's really cool how God works in that way and connects you with the right people. And Yeah, I mean, I think the Polish Network, it's exploding right now, right? We've got Mm -hmm. chapters all over the country, chapters that are starting all over the place, but our online community, Mm -hmm. you know, that we've got through the Polish Network where women are getting monthly devotionals, scripture sent to them, you know, a Slack channel private that's for all sorts Mm -hmm. of prayer requests and then leadership opportunities. I just feel like it's really a place for women to flourish and to thrive Mm -hmm. in their giftedness. And you walk into a room at a local Polish event when we can have them, Mm -hmm. same Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you walk in, you're, you don't you you could be seated by someone who's in corporate America, who's in nonprofit, in business for yeah. themselves, in between jobs. Yep. It's for all ages, all stages, all ethnicities, all industries, and mm-hmm. so I love that melting pot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
feeling of just you, you don't know who you're going to meet. And I've made some of my, Tiffany Stein is a great example. My closest friends have come through being a part of Polish for the last 12 years. Mm, that's so cool. I want to learn a little bit more about you and your family and your husband, and would love to give you space to talk about what life has looked like as a family lately. I know you talk about Caleb going back to school this week, but if you would like to just let us into that a little bit, maybe how you met your husband, how you're on mission as one within this ministry space, and anything you want to share about your kiddos. Sure. Well, we've got one and only Caleb Armstrong, and he's seven. He's in second grade. We live in Richardson, Texas, and I've been married to Aaron Armstrong for 18 years. We have been Team Armstrong, and so he is the lead pastor at Dallas Bible Church in Richardson, Texas. And what else about my family? My mom lives with us, so we call ourselves Mm -hmm. Team Armstrong to the fourth power. Um, after my dad passed several years ago, she moved in with us. It's been such a redemptive part of our story, such a fun part to have. Caleb calls her Ita, which is short for Abuelita. And it's so fun to have Ita here with us. It really is. And they have a super special relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and her presence here has meant the world to us, especially in this season. So yeah, what does life look for us? Oh, like, no. Well, two full-time working ministry parents. Uh, you know, my sweet kid is super flexible. Mm-hmm. He is really, really kind and cares a lot about people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he loves Legos. So Aaron and I are either building Legos or stepping on Legos here at our home. <laughs> Sounds perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so awesome. Yeah, I know just from following along on Instagram, you are such a tight family unit. And that's so inspiring to see. The older I get, the more I realize that is such a blessing to have it people really is. that are your family that spur you on, that you love being around, that especially right now, just people that we get to spend our days with when we're at home a lot. Mm-hmm, for sure. That's awesome. So before we get into your latest project and your brand new book that's on pre-order, I would love, love, love to hear a little bit more about your other book, No More Holding Back. And this is a book that has, it's been a huge tool for me. And before we talk about all the brand new, exciting stuff, I would love to read a quote by Publishers Weekly that I found about No More Holding Back, which said a reader's interested in considering and reforming how Christianity regards women will find great value in Armstrong's passionate work. I love the word passionate and would love to know where the stirring on your heart started to write that book. And if you could tell us more about the journey of No More Holding Back since its release. Yeah, you know, it's so funny, Brittany, I had not looked at that quote from Publishers (laughs) Weekly in two years since it came out. Let me tell you where I was when they published that quote and all some of my close friends and I were falling out of our chairs, you know, Mm -hmm. with joy, just so excited. I was in San Miguel de Allende with Dr. Sandra Glahn from Dallas Seminary on a writer's mm-hmm. re- retreat with uh, Dr. Joanne Hummel. She's a pastor here in our area and one of the best pastors I've ever met. 
Um, I was with my friend Katie, but we were on this little adventure with a really small group of women who love Jesus, want to learn how to become better writers, and we're in the van. And I get a little ding from my husband that's like, uh, Publishers Weekly just posted a review. I'm like, oh, please let it be good or really bad. You know, you don't want anything in between. Yeah, yeah. If it's really bad, that's okay too. Um, but it was a it was a positive review, yeah. and it was the first really important one for me and for a, a rookie author. Author, mm-hmm. struggles with insecurity. We all do when we try mm-hmm. something new, trying to find our way. And I was sitting next to Dr. Glon, and Dr. Glon was like, They said the word passionate. <laughs> we didn't have to use that word. Yeah. And I remember being like, So this is good. She's like, This is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so I'm just having that flashback memory of being in dripping in sweat in San Miguel, mm-hmm. watching the beautiful art just pass mm-hmm. by me as we're driving in the car to our hotel. And or at a house where we stayed. Um, but yeah, no more holding back. I feel like Brittany, it's my life message. You know, when people mm-hmm. ask me, how long did it take to write this book? I'm like, well, do you mean the writing process or the living process? It took mm-hmm. probably over a decade to really work through some mix misconceptions I had about what it means to be a woman and a Christ follower. Mm-hmm. And I um, dealt with a lot of insecurities and misapplications of the scriptures. And I used to really think that loving God with our heart and soul was women's work and loving God with our mind and strength was men's work. Mm-hmm. And what I had done practically without under, without realizing it is I divided the greatest commandment when Jesus says to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. I had subconsciously divided it in half and thought, you know what? Heart and soul stuff, that needs mm-hmm. to be women's work mind and strength that needs to be men's work. And so as I started to uncover, wait, where is that coming from? I had a really one out of a million positive experiences in seminary. I had one negative experience that really impacted me where someone reinforced the misconceptions I had about myself being a woman who loves Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I started to uncover, oh my goodness, what have I been doing with the greatest Mm -hmm. Why do I think Mm -hmm. these things about women? So I started to search the scriptures about how God elevates and emboldens women from Genesis to Revelation, how Jesus utilized, partnered with, commissioned women to build the early church alongside him, funding his ministry, planning churches with Paul across the world. Mm -hmm. I, I was astounded to find so much scriptural evidence that I had been wrong, you know, Mm -hmm. and of course the Bible will do that to us, but so no more holding back is a book for any woman who needs to be emboldened to be all in for Jesus. Someone who may be tempering their enthusiasm Mm -hmm. to read more of the scriptures or resisting, raising her hand to say yes to an opportunity at work, in the church, in society, in her family. You know, it's for any of us who are trying to figure out why we want to move forward and follow God and run hard after him. But we're also concerned if our pace is too fast and if we're getting ahead of where we're supposed to be, it's for the woman who needs to hold nothing back when they follow Jesus. And instead to go with a gospel to pace so urgent we are running. Mm -hmm. And so that's what no more holding back was all about. And I'm, I'm so grateful, Brittany, to hear that it meant something to you. It's meant a lot to me, obviously, because mm-hmm. I love talking about it. And I ended up writing a six-week Bible study curriculum mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. visit that's got a DVD and videos you can access and stream for free online through HarperCollins or churchsource.com. And I'll send you the link so you can put in the show. Yeah, that'd be awesome. What I have loved, Brittany, is I've been visiting some of these small groups around the nation that are doing the No More Holding Back study guide, going through the Bible study. And um, their Bible study leaders have been inviting me, sometimes as a secret, and sometimes the folks know that I'm jumping into their Zoom calls. But I've gotten to hear from women across the nation that are uh, feeling freedom. They're feeling Mm. liberated to follow God in their passions. And that's what the book is really about. It's not about necessarily gender roles or church leadership or women's ordination. It's more so about women loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm. That is such a cool... I've seen that you've jumped into some of those small groups and surprised and been a part of those conversations. And I can't imagine what that feels like to see the Lord using this tool that he placed on your heart and was able to use you to bring this to life for women and then getting to see women engage with it and interact with it and have these real conversations. And it's, I always talk about glimmers and that probably is a glimmer for you where you feel like you see a piece of the bigger picture Mm -hmm. and one day in heaven, you'll see a much, much bigger piece of the picture. But for today to get to see a little bit of how the Lord is using your obedience and your discernment to spur on other women has to be such a treat. It's amazing. It's been a blast. It's been a blast. Yeah. So that leads us into the in-between place. I'm so excited to talk about this today where Jesus changes your story. And this book of yours is currently on pre-order. And I am sure you are right in the middle of everything releasing and getting really, really exciting because you're seeing all of this prayer and work come to fruition. Where are you right now? How are you feeling? What are you most excited about? I'd love to give you the floor to just speak into this process right now on pre-order. Brittany, I've got this advanced reader copy of it right next to me, and it makes me like so giddy. I can't even stand it. It's so pretty. Um, But I am so excited about sharing more about the woman at the well. Her story is in John chapter four. And I kid you not, I have become obsessed with this woman that Jesus has this incredible spiritual conversation with Mm -hmm. in a place called Sychar in the New Testament. I love the book of John. So my books in my life, know I just, it's really hard for me to get away from John. Excuse me. I'm in Matthew right now in my Bible reading plan. And I'm like, Matthew, I love you. I love your perspective. It's so, so great, but I love me some John. Um, but when I came to this, this place in the scriptures in John chapter four, mm-hmm. where Jesus is waiting for a woman at a well, he's seated in this posture um, that's so approachable, so compassionate, so kind. And he's waiting for someone who was very isolated and probably ashamed of their place in life. And she and Jesus have one of the longest conversations in the New Testament, certainly the longest, I think, in the whole book of John. Mm -hmm. So John takes a lot of time to tell us the story of a nameless woman. And I remember thinking the first time I read it, you know, we don't know her name and we'll get to know when we get to glory. But Jesus, Jesus knew her name when he was having that conversation with her. And she had been married five times, was living someone with who was not her husband. And some of us, like me, may have maybe tempted to think, oh, man, she must have been promiscuous or a loose mm-hmm. woman or mm-hmm. um, 
I've heard that before, but really what was probably her situation is a couple of factors all working together. She may have struggled with infertility. She may have been abandoned because she wasn't able to have children. She could have been a widow. She could have experienced all three of those things, abandonment, infertility, and widowhood, which talk about a hard life. And in a society and time when women were considered property and unable to sustain life independently Mm -hmm. from a man. Um, she was living as a concubine likely just to survive, not because she was a prostitute or a harlot or loose, nothing like that. The scriptures don't allude to any of that. Instead, what we see is someone who's lived a really hard life and suffered a lot and probably been um, marginalized in her society. And Jesus calls out what she's been experiencing and how she's been choosing to survive Mm -hmm. and shows her a new way to live Mm -hmm. with his living water. And um, so that's what the in-between place is all about is I think the woman at the well was in an in-between place. Mm -hmm. You know, she was uh, between a rock and a hard place in her choices for her marital status just to survive but I make connections about the actual location where they have this conversation is so significant because it shows up many times in the Old Testament in places and spaces where bad, bad things are happening mm-hmm. to God's image bearers. Mm-hmm. And I won't go into all of it because I want you to read the book, mm-hmm. but I connect Dinah's story in Genesis chapter 34, where she mm-hmm. was raped and mistreated and abused. That is the same place where Jesus has this conversation with the woman at the well. Mm. And so I make some connections there about how Jesus redeems our stories. He ch- he meets us in our places of greatest need. And then sometimes when we feel stuck in life, which I feel stuck in a global pandemic with racial divisions in our country and an election coming up and mm. kids going back to school or not and masks. And no, I mean, you talk about a time to feel in between. I don't know yeah. what's coming. Yeah. I don't know what's coming in 2021. I certainly didn't predict what was happening mm-hmm. in 2020. And so for me, I am in an in-between place and was writing about an emotional place in my heart where I was handing the baton at work to someone and feeling some insecurity about that. And so the in-between place book is for any woman who feels like if she looks to the right, she's going to scrape her face on a boulder. And Mm -hmm. if she looks left, she is facing a season of darkness she never wants to return to. It's when we feel like, I don't know how I got here. How in the world do I get out? Why do I feel like I'm the only one who gets stuck in these situations? Like, is this as good as it gets? Those are the questions I've been asking myself in my in-between place. And like the woman at the well, Jesus has intercepted me. He's Mm -hmm. had conversations with me and loved on me and then shown me a new way to live. And so as you can tell, I get really excited about yeah. uh, talking about the in-between place. Yeah, as you should. It's such a neat journey to get to peek behind the curtain and see what is going on in your personal life and in your spiritual walk behind the scenes. Because as a reader, you get to see your words and you get to learn from the truth and you get to see what the Lord has spoken so clearly through your words but you don't always get to see, but what's happening in Kat's world and in Kat's faith and in that private place with the Lord that is only hers. What is he doing to protect her heart and guard her mind as she's doing this work? And that's a question I would love to ask you because I think often 
we are not on guard enough when we are doing things like this, whether a woman is listening and she is an author or a preacher or a speaker or whatever, or maybe she's a mother that does a lot of informal ministry and just loves the people in her world really, really well. Mm -hmm. What would you say to us? One, how do you always be on guard? How, what do you do to equip yourself? Who are the people? How do you request prayer over your projects? What are some of those things that you do to make sure that you're guarding yourself so that the Lord can strengthen you to do these things? Yeah, I mean, glory to God. He provides us the relationships we need for the seasons we're in if we would just open ourselves up, which is hard for me to do. So that's a struggle. Mm-hmm. But I have a, a beautiful small group that I've been journeying with for about three years. There are three other women in the group, and they keep me accountable and they keep me grounded in so many ways. And so I'm able, you know, in Romans chapter 12, Paul says we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And I've seen that in the friendships I'm cultivating in this small group that when I come to them and say, ah, Publishers Weekly said something (laughs) nice, you know, they are rejoicing with me and celebrating. And when I come back and say a whole chapter just got exnade because honestly, you guys, it was really not well written and the content wasn't very clear. And I'm not even sure why I wrote it, but it got rejected. And now I feel rejected and I'm sad, you know, and they mourn with me because I'm sad. And so I think that's one of the ways that God has really guarded me against cynicism, depression, and feeling isolated in the process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a very weird thing that happens, Brittany, when you put something out there, whether it's on Mm -hmm. Instagram or Twitter or write a blog, if you're a writer in any way, even if you're doing copy for your company, selling a product or a widget or a service, Mm -hmm. um, you know what it's like to kind of write something, put your heart out there, and then it to be stomped on. So there's always that fear and to Mm -hmm. fight that fear, to guard against it and to guard against cynicism or defensive, being defensive about my writing. Instead, I have a couple of key people in my life who are also authors Mm -hmm. that I can come to and say, hey, would you help me process this? And will you tell me the truth? And they do. One of them happens to be my husband, which P.S., you guys, that can be a whole nother challenge. You may not, I'm not saying you need to do it. I'm just saying it happened to work out that way in my particular family. I'm married to a preacher who's writing his sermons every week, who's a very, very, very eloquent, articulate communicator. So he's one of my go-tos. But like I said, we've been together 20 years, married for 18. So we're kind of in a rhythm now where I can receive constructive criticism for me. But I will say that's a way to keep your heart soft is to remember that the way I said something may not make sense to someone else. And my goal as a writer is not just to say what I said and meant what I said, I said mm-hmm. what I said, but mm-hmm. rather to say things in such a way that people can't imagine what I didn't mean to say. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I lack in that area. So one of the ways I feel really guarded is I've got some folks who will say, mm, I think you need to reword that because here's how I interpreted that. And many mm-hmm. times, like being in a relationship with your best friend or your roommate or your husband, you go, wait, what? I didn't even say anything close to that. How did you? Oh, okay. Yeah. I need to go that edit that. <laughs> yeah. So I think that part of the process is really fun. And now I view God, one of his roles in my life is this 
holy editor because the editing process will really can get you pretty low if you're not used to it. And I didn't have any thick skin Mm -hmm. and my writing skills, uh, Brittany, before the first book were really below average in the industry. So I had to work really hard, rewrite things Mm -hmm. several times and it was a challenge. And then I realized, oh my goodness, this is what the Holy Spirit does with us. Mm -hmm. It, It helps edit and restrain us from the worst versions of ourselves, from evil, yeah. from our temptations, and it refines us. So I should welcome that process. But if I'm honest, it was really hard <laughs> at the beginning. I can imagine. I cannot imagine. But I bet it's so rewarding to look back on how the Lord has showed up to be that strength in those times of maybe that perceived hurt or frustration or feeling less than, and to see how you're now able to speak into that for other women, whether they're writing a book or not, to be able to lead them in, this is the strength that we're given to be able to stand up and to be able to do what feels like hard things because we can do hard things because Mm -hmm. when God's leading us through it, we can do anything that he's calling us to. Yeah. I learned a really hard spiritual lesson. Okay. So at the, before publishing the first book, I really think I viewed part of my relationship with God is I would love for him to bless my work. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the work Mm -hmm. and I would love for you to bless it, which I don't think is necessarily wrong, but that was the viewpoint I came when I got done with the book and I held it in my hands, Brittany, I was like, this is so much better than I could have done. It took the editor really helping me. It took my writing coach pushing me. It took Mm -hmm. my community of faith praying me through it. Mm -hmm. It took me relinquishing a chapter I love, but really what didn't serve the goal of the book. Mm -hmm. It it taught me to surrender some things that I was being stubborn about. Mm -hmm. I held the end product and I was like, oh, the collaboration (laughs) process is amazing. I'm so glad I didn't ask my editor to bless my work. I'm so Mm -hmm. glad she came into it caused a stir, made me better. And Mm -hmm. the final product is a collaboration Mm -hmm. of us working together. And I think God wants us to co-labor with him. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need our help. Oh, that's good. Right. But he wants us to be collaborating and contributing to the body of Christ Mm -hmm. with his power, right? For the good works he's purposed us to do. Now I don't pray as much, God, would you bless the the labors of this project? Would you bless, although I want him to do that. Lord, hear me. I want you to bless (laughs) it. Uh, But I also am saying, you know what, God, if I get to the end of this project and it doesn't look as much the Mm -hmm. way I envisioned it, if it turns out to go a different direction entirely, I know that this collaboration process will make me more of a Christ, look more like Jesus in the process, but the end result will be so much better if it's not you blessing my work, but rather me joining you in your work. And so Mm -hmm. that's a big lesson. I want... I want to really internalize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's when we focus less on ourselves that we're able to see more of what he's doing. And I think we tend to surrender more when we're focused on the collaboration and what a reward to get to the end of writing a book and to have the gift of looking at all of the people that had influence over it and that the Lord was able to use because we all have such different gifts and are resourced so differently. And to be able to tap into all those things and make something that's even bigger and more beautiful because of that surrender is how we're called to live. I love that you bring that up. I I love it. I love it when stuff like that happens that we didn't anticipate talking about that just comes. So when you say yes to a project like this book, let's say, 
for example, we're talking about spiritual warfare, but I would love to lean into what your process looks like in preparing your heart for this space. When you sit down to write, what does it look like for you to create that space to be in tune with the Lord and ready to go? Yeah, I think in the writing process, spiritual warfare is when you feel really confused. At least that is for me, how it exhibits. When I feel clarity, I sense, oh, this is from the Spirit. Mm -hmm. He's being very clear about how I should internalize this scripture, how I should teach it to others, what I should purpose it to do in the lives of the reader. It seems to be clear. When I feel confused or muddied, I know, okay, I'm, this is not of the Holy Spirit. This, is, this has got to be the enemy pulling me away from the point I'm supposed to be making, the point this, the Holy Spirit may be trying to get through to me. Mm-hmm. And so I take a break. You know, instead of forging through and forcing the creative process, I have to wait until there's clarity. And sometimes that means walking away when I've scheduled or blocked time to do a piece of writing or to finish a chapter. And I think in that there, the spiritual warfare comes into play for me when I just want to power through. I mean, the the self-sufficiency struggle is so strong with me. And I write about that in the in-between place. It's a whole chapter devoted to No Woman is an Island. And I talk about and admit to some of the ways I struggle with self-sufficiency. Um, but in my own strength, I want to just power through. Like, well, this might, you know, not very clear, might be a little confusing right now. But you know what? I'm just going to sit down and knock out a couple mm-hmm. thousand words. And I bet by the end, it'll be better and it'll all make sense. I'm just going to force myself to sit here and get some work done so I feel as though I can check off the box. Mm-hmm. And for me, Brittany, that is a spiritual temptation. It may not be for someone else, but mm-hmm. it is for me. And so part of the way that I guard myself against that kind of spiritual warfare is to step back and go, you know what? I actually don't have to do this right this minute. Mm -hmm. And maybe the spirit needs to teach me something else before I can even speak clearly on this. And so I'm going to step away, but it's really hard, especially when you're juggling kids, working family, you know, schedules. And so it ends up being almost like a spiritual discipline, a spirit of surrender to say, okay, Lord, Mm -hmm. well, I still have that deadline looming. (laughs) So I'm just going to trust that my time would be better applied when things are clear from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being grounded first before you try to walk forward is so important. And I, I love that you share that desire to keep moving, to meet deadlines. And I think anyone that has any wiring of a business orientation is that way. But sometimes we feel that pressure of that deadline. And so we push through when in reality, the best thing we can do is just step outside for a minute or take a lap around the coffee shop we're working in, or maybe it's just to spend some time with Caleb. Maybe it's, you know what, we're just going to have an afternoon and we're going to go do something fun because I want to be a mom right now and that's okay. And then you're able to come back and have that much more clarity because you've done those other things. For a woman that is in this professional space and is also a mother that is juggling all the things of life like you are. I know we were talking about how the in-person learning just started again. And so you have a little bit more space during the day to not be juggling as many things and be able to focus. What have you learned in this season of schedules being a little bit jumbled and everybody being together that you would share with a mom and a working mom? 
I have less capacity during COVID and I am not my best self. Mm-hmm. These are my mantras every day. I repeat them to someone in my life that I love or I'm working with. I have less capacity than I used to a year ago and I'm not the best version of myself. I'm, I'm depleted in a lot of ways because of what's going on in the world around us. And it is okay to admit that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Brittany, five years ago, I never would have said that to you. Mm-hmm. But now I feel confident saying I am more depleted than you knew me a year ago. Mm-hmm. I have less to offer. And when it does get offered, it's not usually in the way I would have done it a year ago. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay. I'm going to show up. I'm going to ask God to powerfully work through the small bits that I do have to offer. But I think that's been a significant shift. And for the folks who've who've worked with me for over a decade through Polish, they're like, whoa, this is a new, new version of you. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's definitely a new work. I've got, I think, in my life to say I have less to offer and less to give. So to be really careful about what I say yes to and don't. And then I really shed, I don't know if it's because I'm about to be 40. I've heard 40s are awesome. And I feel like I'm already starting to some of that maybe. <laughs> but the closer I get to 40, I'm like, you know what? I don't have to change the world today. Mm-hmm. I don't have to change it today. Mm-hmm. And a decade ago, I'd have been like, we have to change the world before the sun goes down today yeah. <laughs> um, because we got to get on it, right? And the closer I get to 40, I'm like, I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to try to love myself and everyone around me really, mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. I want to connect with the Father. want to be connected to the vine. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. It does. And that is so empowering to me. I turned 30 this December. So it's really amazing when you have different women in your life that can kind of show you the ropes a little bit ahead and say, hey, I'm two or three steps ahead of you. And this is what I'm learning. I'm learning you don't have to conquer the world today. But instead, the Lord tells us, I can do more in your stillness and your obedience than I can in your doing. And if you believe that your doing is when I'm able to work, you have it all wrong because yeah. I'm asking you to rest at my feet. And I'm asking you to believe that whatever is on your calendar today, I'm going to move through it. And you don't have to accomplish everything on your to-do list. Mm-hmm. That's, That's a good. hard lesson. It's a yeah. hard lesson. But this theme that I'm seeing in our conversation today of the importance of moving at God's pace. What is his pace for my day today? Not mine. Mm -hmm. What is his pace? Not the world's pace and having strength and courage in that and not feeling like it's our performance that it's not about how well can I perform today? It's about how much am I relying on God today? Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to see how this new chapter of your life and this new book allows women just to step in. And I think God knew what he was doing when he was stirring in your heart. I mean, the in-between place to be able to identify in between in a time when we didn't really know what was coming is such a gift and just gives me chills thinking about the bigger picture to all of this. So how can we learn more about the book? Can you tell us about the launch team? Any of the things that you want to tell us that we need to know 
to be able to dive in with you on this journey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I want everyone who's listening to us to go and pre-order the book. I didn't know as a rookie author how important pre-orders, and to be Mm -hmm. honest, until I had written a book, I'd never pre-ordered one before. (laughs) But pre-orders break algorithms. Um, They help with placement on Amazon, which is one of the biggest retailers. You know, how you do on Amazon in the book business really determines a lot. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, if I want to get into Barnes and Noble or have my book available at target.com, it really is dependent upon people who show excitement about the book. And the best way to do that is to pre-order. So I'll send you the link for that. It's up on my website. Um, and I think, I think, yeah, that's it for the in-between place. I'm going to announce probably in December, um, of 2020, more information about the launch team. Um, it's okay. a little secretive because there are some yeah. that are going to come along with it, but I'll be sure and send them your way. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll add everything into the show notes so that our community knows where they can go to go ahead and get that on pre-order. And we'll be talking about it. As you release more things, we'll make sure to share it with our community. But I'm so spurred on today to just be in your presence and to hear about how the Lord has so clearly moved in your life. And through this season, when I truly believe women are so thirsty for community, they're thirsty for a space to rest with other women, they're thirsty for what you're talking about, which is having those three other women in your life that you can celebrate with and you can be held accountable by and love and your ability to hear that discernment from the Lord is in my mind, something that when I look at you, I think that's something that's different about Kat. She hears that discernment. And I think that's something we all have the opportunity to know how to tap into. I would love for my last question today to be, how would you empower a woman listening to hear that discernment from the Lord and to hear from Him? What would you tell her today if she's walking her dog or if she's folding laundry or whatever? What would you speak over her and empower her in learning how to do that? Yeah, I would love to take you through just for a minute or two what I practice every morning when I'm in uh, one of the Gospels. So I want to encourage everyone to be in the Scriptures every day, whether it's you're getting a text message from some someone that's sending you a text message with a verse in it or an app or a devotional, mm-hmm. however works best for your life, feel so much freedom in that. If you're looking for a way to really discern the voice of God, to connect deeper, to feel more intimacy with Christ, to get that clarity I was talking about, to feel really connected to God, I want to encourage women to think about choosing a gospel per year and spending the whole year in it and to focus in on the red letters. Get yourself a Bible that highlights Jesus talking in red letters mm-hmm. and focus in on what he says to other people and how he says it and when he says it, but focus on his word. Okay, so let's take, for instance, what I read this morning. It, this morning, I was reading in Matthew chapter 10, and I got to a place where Jesus started talking. And he says the words in verse 27, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. Now there's a very, Brittany, there's a very specific context to this mm-hmm. passage. And I can tell you all about it, who he was talking to originally, how they would have understood it originally, what it meant in that time, the timeless application truths. I could tell you all of that. Mm-hmm. In addition to all of that, I connect with Jesus and I ask him to say those words to me and to help me understand what he may mean saying those words if he were saying them to me. Wow. 
Does that make sense? So I sit there and I ponder what it meant for the person who received those words Mm -hmm. in the beginning, how the disciples were receiving it in the original context. But then I go a couple steps further and I go, Jesus, would you say those words to me? What you Mm -hmm. speak to me in the dark that I go and speak to them in the light? What would you mean to to me in that? Mm -hmm. How would that be relevant in my life today? And I'll be shocked every day, Brittany. There's something that happens where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's connected to that verse I read. And I think just staying connected to him through his word, mm-hmm. it's called Electio Divina. It's an ancient practice, an ancient spiritual discipline of connecting with God. But I would say when you start to imagine how Jesus interacts with you, you feel closer to him because it's a deeper friendship. Yeah, And um, so if I sound a little nutso, I promise I'm not. I know what it means to apply the word in the appropriate cultural context and how to apply it to our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about talking with Jesus in the words he's already used with someone else and seeing how they could apply to you. Yeah, that was a good answer. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that it's all about surrounding ourselves with truth. And understanding context and understanding how to apply that to where we are and being able to show other people how to do that too and speak that over them. And one of my favorite things is when you're walking through something and a girlfriend texts you and it speaks so clearly to you and they don't even know. They don't even know how the Lord used whatever it is that they shared, whether it's scripture or a voice memo prayer. They don't even have line of sight to that because it's what God wants for you. And we see him and we hear from him and we walk in that full peace the most when we're spending time with him. And I love that you call out scripture. A few other episodes we've done really talk about prayer and they really talk about when you're busy, what does it look like in the busy to pause, but having, having you on and hearing how, you dive into scripture and discernment has been a really big treat today. So thank you for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Brittany. Get plugged in with Kat over at katarmstrong.com or on Instagram at katarmstrong1 and at polished.online. Did you enjoy this episode? Would you hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, and share this podcast with a girlfriend? A great way to help us get the word out is by screenshotting this episode on your cell phone and tagging us at Wheatful Woman to your Instagram story. We'd love to hear your favorite parts of the show so we can keep creating episodes that show up to serve you. Thanks for tuning in and we can't wait to catch you next time.